Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. All right, who had a great Thanksgiving feast this week? Raise your hand. All right. Praise the Lord. How many of you had two? Raise your hand. All right. How many? Three. All right. Anybody four? Okay. That would be a lot. I know there's still some today happening. We had a wonderful Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving evening, my kids were kind of feeling like, oh, let's just relax. But I go into full-blown Christmas mode Thanksgiving night. So I'm like, let's go pull up the Christmas tree. We're going to decorate. And they just do it to please their mother. But um, I love Christmas season. Thanksgiving was wonderful. Today, we are going to um, have another feast together. Is that okay? But we're going to feast on the word of God. And I love feasting on God's word. We're going to cover a lot of scripture, but don't worry. We're going to kind of break it up into different courses like you would a a dinner, a meal, okay? Um, We're kicking off a new series, as you'll see, titled Fear Not. And our prayer for us as a church throughout this series is that our faith at Valley Church would grow to be greater than our fears, that faith in our faithful God would reign supreme this Christmas season and always in our hearts and our families and our marriages and our homes. Faith in Jesus Christ should govern, it should be the foundation of the church. But before we start feasting, I want to pray Because I know that the Holy Spirit is already here among us, but I want to recognize that with you. The Holy Spirit was given to us to guide us into all truth. He's our teacher. And so would you bow with me this morning as we just recognize his presence. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you guide us into truth. And this morning, I pray that you would um, show us new things, things that we've never seen before, um, that we can apply to our lives. God, convict our hearts, challenge us, encourage us with your truth. And Father, this Christmas season, would you do the work of growing us in our faith to be greater than any fear that would come in our path. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles with you, open them up to Luke chapter one. If you don't have a real Bible, like a physical one, grab your phone. You can turn to Luke chapter one there. I looked this week, there's Pew Bibles. It is page 803. If you would like to follow along with us, We're going to look at three characters in scripture today, Zachariah, his wife Elizabeth, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, who all had several reasons to live in fear, but instead they chose to let God grow their faith in him. 
Now, as we study and learn together this morning, I want to encourage you to look at Scripture differently than maybe you have before. In our Western American culture, we often study the Bible asking the question, what does this teach me about me? We're very self-focused in our Western culture. But in Jesus' Middle Eastern culture, they ask a totally different question. They ask the question, what does this teach me about God? They are very God-focused. So I want to encourage you to lift your gaze off yourself. Did you know if you stare at yourself too much, you'll get depressed? (laughs) It's true. So this Christmas season, I want to encourage you to lift your gaze off yourself and focus it on God. Ask yourself the questions, what am I staring at? Am I staring at myself and my life or am I staring at my heavenly father? What has your focus and attention? And today as we read this passage, I want you to put on that Middle Eastern lens and allow the Holy Spirit to show you something new as you focus more on who God is and what this passage teaches you about him. So here we go. This is course one. All right. Luke chapter one, verse five reads, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he, Zechariah, was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord." And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared." And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. 
And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. The end of course one. Okay, but we're going to highlight a few things here with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth, it said at the beginning of that passage, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in the commandments of the Lord. Wouldn't you love for that to be your testimony? For people to speak that of you? But there was a problem for Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we see that right at the beginning. They didn't have children. Elizabeth couldn't have children. And in that Jewish culture at that time, that was a very shameful thing. Because pretty much you would get married, and then as soon as you were married, you tried to have as many children as you could in that culture, that Jewish culture. So Zachariah and Elizabeth lived with that shame. Now, Zechariah is given this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to enter the holy place and burn incense. It is recorded that there were probably around 20,000 priests at that time, and so that's why they cast lots to choose who was going to be the priest that got to go into the holy place and burn the incense. So this was a a once-in-a-lifetime event for Zechariah. And while he's in the holy place, he encounters the angel Gabriel. And immediately, fear takes over. Now, we'll just put ourselves in Zechariah's shoes for a minute. We would be afraid too if you encountered an angel, okay? Now, angel Gabriel says, Zechariah, God's heard your prayers. Elizabeth is going to have a son in her old age. But imagine being Zechariah and thinking, um, why is he answering that prayer now? Like he's probably been waiting his whole life and been praying his whole life for God to give him a child. Like, really, God? Why now? Kind of reminds us of Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament, right? But remember, nothing is too hard for God. His timing is perfect, and it's not like our timing often. So they're going to have a son in their old age, and this son will prepare the way for the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They're to name him John, who we will know later is John the Baptist, who will be the cousin of Jesus. But because of Zachariah's doubt because he doubts, because he's an old man, he knows his wife is old, they're past childbearing age. Because of that, he's unable to speak until his son is born. Now again, put yourself in Zachariah's shoes. Nine months. You can't speak. He's mute. 
Well, he goes home, Elizabeth gets pregnant, and her response is praising the Lord for taking away her shame. Elizabeth was firm in her faith, even though her husband doubted. Pick it up for me, with me. We're going to go on to course two. Learn about Mary, the mother of Jesus. So verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel is sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So a few points here that I want to highlight from Mary's encounter with the angel Gabriel. A kingdom adventure found Mary on a random day. Probably just as she was doing housework, sweeping the house, maybe doing laundry, baking bread. The angel Gabriel appears out of nowhere and says, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Gabriel spoke many things to Mary in these verses. He said, You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will call him Jesus. God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom won't end. A lot of prophecy from the Old Testament that's going to be fulfilled here. Mary is the chosen one to birth the Messiah. And I kind of love Mary's response because it gives us a little insight maybe as to her personality. Because Mary was very practical. 
She didn't doubt like Zacharias. She just simply asked a question because she knew she was a virgin. She never slept with a man. And so she just was like, uh, how's this going to be? Because I'm a virgin. Remember, marriage is all about family in the Jewish culture. And culturally and historically, in Jesus' day, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old girls were betrothed or engaged in premonstration, and then they were married off once their menstruation cycle began. And ancient legal documents show that most girls were married by the time they were 13 in that culture. So if you were unmarried at like 13, 14, or 15, you were practically an old maid, right? Like they were a lot younger than in that culture. So it helps us to understand more of what this story, this history, what it looked like for Mary. Now, do we have any parents in the room? Raise your hand. All right, wonderful. I want you to put yourself in Mary's parents' shoes for a minute. Imagine your 10, 11, or 12-year-old daughter coming to you and saying, I'm pregnant, and the Father is the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you maybe think, like, I need to take my daughter to a psychologist or a counselor or something? I mean, that sounds crazy. Now, what I also want you to remember is that the Jewish culture was very much an honor-shame culture. That was the culture that Jesus was born into. And there were such things as honor killings in that culture to keep the community pure and honorable. And one of the hardest yeses in the Bible was given by Mary the mother of Jesus, because Mary could have been killed, stoned to death for getting pregnant out of wedlock. Mary had to have known that there would be people who would never believe her story. Not only people in her community, but possibly even in her own family. You see, this adventure that found Mary was not a safe one in her world. Some of the highest and holiest callings that you may be called to will be some of the hardest. They will require the hardest yeses. What has been a hard yes that God has asked of you? He asked a hard yes of Mary, and he still does that today. Mary's response is one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture. So simple and full of humility, but also confidence and courage. She said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
total submission to the Lord's will, even if people might speak of death threats. How many of you have daughters in this room? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of us. I want to encourage you that some of God's greatest adventures he gives to girls. So if you are a parent or a grandparent of a girl, remember that. You might not always understand the calling, but as long as you pray faithfully behind your daughter or granddaughter and you tell them you keep following Jesus, you listen to his voice. That's the most important voice they could listen to. Encourage them in that way. Mary didn't let fear control her. She simply stated the truth. I'm the servant of the Lord. Mary knew who she served. So if God was asking this of her, there was no room for fear. Don't fear what could happen to your life if you go all in and join God on a kingdom adventure. If you're willing to give up your life on this earth, you will gain life forever with God in eternity. Remember, God is your security. God was Mary's security. Did Mary struggle with fear? Yes, because that's just human nature. We struggle with fear, but Mary did not let fear control her. If we pick it up in verse 39, I think we'll see a little bit of that together. Verse 39, continue with me. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I want you to go back to verse 39 because I think that if we study it in its context, the Middle Eastern lens, we'll see that there was some fear Mary struggled with. Immediately after the angel Gabriel leaves, it says, in those days Mary arose and went with haste. She was in a hurry into the hill country to go see Zechariah and Elizabeth. What I want you to remember is that geography matters in the Bible. Sometimes when we read geography, we feel like, well, that'll just bog me down, so I'll skip over it. Or like names in the Bible that we don't know how to read. They're there for a reason, though. They help us to understand. I want you to look at this picture on the screen. Why did Mary pack up all her things and leave town as soon as Gabriel left? 
Well, if we see here, Israel is broken up into different districts during Jesus' time. It says Mary lived in the northern district of Galilee in Nazareth. Then we have Samaria below that, and Judea is the bottom district here. That's where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. Now remember, there's no trains, cars, planes, anything like that. You had to walk or maybe ride a donkey or a horse to camel, get to where you were going. So why did Mary leave in a hurry as soon as Gabriel left? She doesn't go to the next street over or even the next village. Mary packs up and she travels all the way down south to Judea. I can't say for sure, but I think that Mary left town because she knew some people in her village wouldn't believe her. And so she needed to get away for a time. After all, Joseph, her own fiance, didn't even believe the story at first, right? Gabriel had to go and convince him that the story was true. Remember, Mary lived in that Jewish culture of honor and shame. But I also see extra words of comfort that Gabriel gave to Mary when he told Mary about her cousin Elizabeth being six months pregnant. I think that Mary knew that her old cousin Elizabeth could be a source of encouragement for her. When God calls you on an adventure of faith, it is important to surround yourself with people who are also being called on adventures of faith because you can mutually encourage each other. And that's what happened for Mary and Elizabeth. The most beautiful example of faith is when we encourage others to have faith too. Elizabeth compliments Mary for displaying the same confidence that she had shown a few months earlier. Elizabeth's patience and her faithfulness before pregnancy gave her the ability to praise and honor God throughout her pregnancy. And you can almost Feel the faith building in this passage because it spills out of Mary into this beautiful, joyful song of praise to God. Pick it up with me in verse 46. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. 
I want to encourage you this week to read Luke chapter 1. It's about 80 verses, so it could be intimidating, but don't let it intimidate you. View it as a feast each day with the Lord. Read this chapter every single day. If you put up your Christmas tree, read it by the Christmas tree. Kind of puts you in the mood, maybe a little bit. But what I want you to do is just read this and sit in the passage. I like to say immerse yourself or soak yourself, saturate yourself with these words and listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak encouragement for your faith in this season. But continue on with me. We're getting close to finishing Verse 57, it says, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loose and he spoke blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors and all these things were talked about throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Just really quick, before we finish out, notice the first thing Zechariah did when he could speak was praise and blessing to the Lord. After God takes you through a trial or a challenging season, is that your first response? Worship? That was really convicting and challenging for me. To bring chapter 1 to a close, we see Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. He speaks praise and he's going to prophesy over his newborn son, John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, who will prepare the way for the Savior. So pick it up, verse 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham... To grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you child will be called the prophet of the most high. 
For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace." And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Now that was a feast, but that was a good feast. Just really quick, as we come to a close, as I read this chapter over and over and over the last few weeks, Many things that I had never seen before jumped off the pages at me. And actually, one of the most recent ones was the fact that Zechariah prayed and prophesied over his newborn son. This is something recently that as a family, we've been trying to observe the Sabbath more, like choose a day of the week, and it's usually Saturdays, the Sabbath. But on Friday evenings, we'll shut off all the lights in our house once the sun goes down, and we'll light a candle. And then their father, Jonathan, will go around and one by one place his hand on each of our different kids and pray a specific blessing over them that's unique to their personality, their gifts, their talents. And yes, I'm the one that kind of opens my eye and watches because I want to like see what's happening and to see the expression on my kids' faces, the smiles or even the tears that start to well up in their eyes when they hear the words of blessing from their father spoken over them. This is what Zechariah did to his newborn son. And I just want to encourage you, if you're a father out there, I know we have single mothers in the room, so you can do this too. But this Christmas season, can I encourage you to pray and speak blessings over your children? Don't just come to them and say, I prayed for you today, because that's meaningful, but it doesn't mean the same as when you lay your hand on their shoulder or on their head and you speak it out loud. They hear those words spoken over them. That does something for them. So I just encourage you as fathers, single moms, you can do it too. Take some time this Christmas season to do that. And you mothers, I give you permission to peek and watch the expressions on your kids' faces. will mean so much. But the last thing, the biggest truth that I saw as I was preparing for this, and I want to drive home with you today, came from verse 74. In the middle of Zechariah's praise, he said, that we might serve him without fear. Serve without fear. If I could encourage you in any way in your walk with Jesus, it would be to serve your Savior Jesus with no fear. No fear. Zechariah, Elizabeth, and Mary, they all learned the value the beauty and the adventure 
of serving the Lord without fear. Whatever kingdom adventure finds you, humbly receive it in faith and keep your eyes on Jesus and your ears tuned to his voice. It might not always be easy, but he promises to walk before you and beside you and behind you, to surround you with his presence. Whatever he calls you to, there's no room for fear. So who or what are you afraid of? Think about that this Christmas season. And then write it down or say it out loud. The enemy wants you to keep your fear hidden because he wants, you to, wants it to like eat you alive. But when you speak out that fear, you don't let it control you. That's vengeance on the enemy. He wants your fears to control you. But I have good news for you today. Jesus wants to set you free and take away your fears. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus came down here. He took on the form of a man. He, was, he grew up at 33 years old. He lived that perfect life and he died on the cross, shed his perfect blood for you. He took your shame, your sin, your worries, your anxieties, all of that on himself. And he offers you forgiveness. He just wants you to place your faith and trust in him. Followers of Jesus are not fearful people because they have been bought, redeemed, and saved by Jesus Christ, the only true Savior who's brought them back to a gracious, merciful, and loving, faithful Father. So Valley Church, brothers and sisters, serve the Lord without fear. Let's pray. Father God, I come before you with such gratitude and thankfulness because Jesus, you took our fear, our shame, our sin on yourself and you don't want us to live in that anymore. God, I know there is a lot of us here who struggle with fear. Some of us have let fear control us and I'm praying right now today, Holy Spirit, whoever it is in this room, that is struggling right now, that is feeling controlled by fear, would you go after them? You know who they are. Set them free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Draw us to yourself this Christmas season. Grow our faith to be greater than our fear. And may people in our valley see a difference in the life of Valley Church because we are brothers and sisters who walk by faith faith, not fear. Thank you for being with us today. We honor and we praise and we bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you. 
pray for you and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.